The following program is sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage. Welcome to Open House with Team Reba. Each week, Team Reba will be bringing you a roundup of real estate and mortgage news, along with information about the local Puget Sound region, highlighting some of the best and brightest entertainment options, family events, neighborhood highlights, and local business interviews, so you can feel right at home in the Pacific Northwest. All right, well, welcome to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Reba Hass. And I'm Eric Osnes. All right, so we are back once again. Uh, Last week, we talked a lot about investment property, and we had some really great guests last week. We had Lori Lamoureux from Seamless Smooth. Excuse me, no, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm thinking about the show a couple weeks ago. Sorry. We actually had Julie Landry from Avenue One Residential Property Management, and we also had James Rupp, who is part of the Seattle Rental uh, inspection requirements. RNH inspections. Yes, RNH inspections. R N H home inspections. Home inspections. Uh, he also right. would probably want to tag on even some of the RNH home and sewer inspections. But uh, we had some really great guests talking about rental properties. But we're going to have a little bit more conversation today about some of them in the nuts and bolts and the financial side. Sure, that. absolutely. Give some background on on some things to know and some things to think about when you're mm-hmm. contemplating that investment property purchase. Right. But before we do that, we're going to do our usual weekly beginning segment market sure. rate update. On interest rates you and ready mortgage for that? rates. Absolutely. You know what rates did uh, this week? Something uh, something actually today that they dipped. haven't done all month long. What? They didn't go up today. So we're happy about that. So we've had a little bit of an upward tick. Wait, in, did you say in, all month? Oh okay, so far it's, only no, what, so it's like, early in November. I, I know, say, oh right? God, you make that sound like we got to we got to cling on to the the gains when we get them. And today <laughs> was a, a fairly good day for for mortgage rates. Um, we have had a bit of upward pressure over the last week, mm-hmm. and uh, it started with a Fed meeting last week that um, or last month, excuse me, mm-hmm. that uh, you know wasn't well received and, and basically right. took almost all doubt out that uh, of the fact that we're probably expecting a a slight rate increase in December when the Fed meets again. But that interest rate increase has pretty much already been cooked into today's interest rates. So Wow, you sound like you're ready for the holidays. Cooked in? Going to be cooked in, we're just like little, Thanksgiving's coming up. That's right. Going to have a lot right. of cooking, cooking hopefully, going on. Hopefully we get uh, a souffle that, that collapses, <laughs> you know, and, and they, they go down just a little bit rather than a, you know, rock hard fruit cake something along that yeah, line. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so so rates are still uh, uh, you know trending you know, very good. Fruit cake can be moist. Really? Really good fruit cake is. It's okay. quite delicious. You know, is this going to be your day to talk about fruit cake? I think last week I talked about lutefisk, so Yeah, let's not do that again, <laughs> no, please. We're not, we're not going there. Especially a whole segment worth. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So no, that we're still sitting pretty good. Thirty-year fixed rates, a conforming conventional loan, we're hovering right around four percent to four and an eighth percent right now. So we're above the the four percent mark. Uh, certainly not the end of the world. FHA and VA rates are hovering around three point seven five for a thirty-year fixed rate. Boy, any veterans out there? Um, the VA loan is just the the greatest program out there. We should probably do a show mm-hmm. on that sometime. And oh uh, yeah, I'd because, love to um, do one. Well, especially because Veterans Day. Coming up here, it's absolutely. Up. It's tomorrow, and uh, and you know, um, this is one of the f- few programs where our, our our service members really really have a good a good deal. You can buy a home for zero down, 
and uh, there's no mortgage insurance on that loan. And and mm-hmm. uh, in King County, Pierce, Snohomish County, that's up to five hundred seventeen thousand. You can actually take out a VA loan up to about one point five million, two million in some cases. So just with a little bit of a down payment. So it's a, it's a neat deal. Yeah, it's so, a really neat deal. I know we've got lots of military folks in my family, and and I. I'm a big fan of that program because a lot of folks have taken advantage of it. Absolutely. Love, love, love doing those types of transactions. Mm-hmm. So so we're looking good with FHA VA rates, 15-year fixed rates around 3.25%. Adjustable rates, a five-year adjustable is hovering around 275 to 3.25% or so right now. So, you know, they're not, not certainly not the end of the world, up a little bit uh, from where we were a couple weeks ago, yeah. uh, but still trending fa- fairly good. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, then, why don't we uh, segue those market rate details into how that translates into investment property? Because do those same rates apply to multifamily? Very good question. And the answer is not necessarily. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) That's our favorite answer to most questions on real estate and mortgage is like, it depends. Absolutely. There's always, <laughs> always factors. very specific, that's, so that's right. it depends. That's right. And and interest rates in general uh, right now are affected by the type of uh, property, the amount of your down payment, your credit rating, and, of course, the loan program itself. So with investment property, there there's definitely some, some breaking points that affect the interest rates. Um, if you're putting uh, – the, the, the magic number for an investment property is if you, if you have 25% down, you'll get the best rates for investment property. Mm-hmm. But even those are going to run – And that's at, assuming no on, owner-occupied element of that. Is that correct? Correct. That's if you're just going to buy something and not live in it. Pure you're going to rent it out. Uh, the interest rates are going to run about three-eighths of a percent to a half a percent higher than if you were going to live in the home, sometimes a little bit less than that. If you put uh, less than 25% down, 20% down, the rate's going to be maybe a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. And 15% down, the rates are going to be a lot higher. Uh, so uh, what happens is Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, the secondary markets charge a risk premium mm-hmm. for investment property for non-owner-occupied loans. Uh, they know that statistically the risk of foreclosure on non-owner-occupied properties is higher than an right. owner-occupied property. And we saw a lot of that during our recession period, a lot yeah. of folks walking away from their properties. We did, here. and it makes sense. If if a person's in financial trouble, you know, which loan are you going to let go first, the one uh, on the home you're living in or the loan on the home that you're not living in? Precisely, and, uh, and those non-owner tend to to get hurt, you know, a little bit, a little bit more. However, you're less likely to do that if you make sure it cash flows from yes, the day you buy it. The the magic formula there, yeah, right. I feel very happy that all of my clients who bought multifamily properties pre-recession, not a single one of them lost their properties or felt compelled to walk away from their properties. Because they were well, still cash flowing the entire time. That's we, really we always good. made sure they had a fourteen percent return on them before, before we let them buy it. Really, that's that's really good. And and um, you know, it's I, I I agree with you. It's important to uh, when you're looking at buying an investment property to really kind of figure out what am I willing to pay for this home, mm-hmm. not based on the the look of it or how pretty it is or any or of that. Or just based but, on appreciation. That was the mm-hmm. problem most people had was anyone could get a loan and sure. they were buying appreciation only because we were, you know, we were growing 12 to 35% a year sure. uh, pre-recession. Saw that and, happening all the time. And we're back to growing 5 to 12% 
which now, is still brisk. It's very brisk. And I've, I've had conversations even more recently. I've had a lot of investors starting to come back into the marketplace almost a little too late because right. we've already had three years of strong appreciation. But, um, you know, back, back pre-recession, I never wanted to have somebody purchasing. You know, we always talk about be successful in your purchase. How do we set, you know, that's people right. up and that's support right. them for success? And that's why we always did such, you know, strong crunching of the numbers to make sure it wasn't just built on appreciation. We actually walked from a lot of people that that was the only way they wanted to buy because it was so risky. That's right. So, so risky. You know, even now every week I, I speak with customers who own investment property, but they're shelling out, you know, three hundred, mm-hmm. five hundred thousand dollars a month because their, their mortgage payment exceeds the, the rent they're, they're yep. collecting. And they're looking for help. How can I get my mortgage payment down? Mm-hmm. Uh, because they may not have been, you know, quite as, as careful in the in the home that they purchased. Yeah. And then you throw in a, a month of vacancy, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, or a tenant, tenant trashes it, up. things yep. like that. Yep. Then all of a sudden, um, you know, then if you don't have the savings to back it up, then then mm-hmm. that could be a problem. You know, that reminds me. Um, we didn't bring it up last week, but I wanted to bring up again that HARP program. Yeah. Because even though we're talking about investment property again this week, you mentioned two weeks ago that that program is not just, yeah, it's not just for owner occupied, but it's also for investment property, is it? That's right. HARP can work for a primary residence, an investment property, or a second home, vacation, vacation Mm -hmm. type home. And in most cases, um, you know, sometimes we need an appraisal for a HARP transaction, but but oftentimes we, we might not. And uh, you're going to receive, you know, very good interest rates uh, regardless of your equity position in that home. Mm-hmm. So it could be a way of, of lowering that monthly payment, sometimes significantly, uh, which can certainly help with that cash flow. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Cash, cash is king. That's right. And so, again, the rule on a HARP, if you took out your loan before May of 2009, and if that loan is owned by either Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, uh, you may be eligible for the HARP program. And most likely, if it is owned by Fannie or Freddie, then you will. The way you can uh, check that is Google it. Go mm-hmm. Just Google, is my loan owned by Fannie Mae or is my loan owned by Freddie Mac? And uh, they will direct you to some search engines where you can figure that out. All you need is your property address and the last four digits of your social security number. If you misspell Fannie or Mae or Freddie, will it still find it for you? I have, have you tried that? I have not tried that, and uh, fortunately, so my Fanny computer is probably with an IE, and so is Freddie. <laughs> That's right. That's a very good point. And um, Freddie has two D's, doesn't it? So F A N N I E M A E Fannie Mae Freddie F R E D D I E like just like Freddy mm-hmm. Krueger uh, F R E D D I E M A C Freddie Mac. Correct. Yes. Which both um, are quasi-government agencies that purchase mortgages from banks and lenders. So that's the that's the nature of you hear us talking quite a bit about in the lending world about Fannie and Freddie, mm-hmm. where we just say F, they're not people. F and F. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, Fannie and Freddie. Yeah. Nope. They're not friendly folks down the street. <laughs> well, so. depends on what side of the fence you're sitting, you know. So, you know, they've they 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 <laughs> they they, they, they uh, bankroll programs that help a lot of uh, first-time home buyers, and, and and they also gotten themselves into receivership by maybe going a little bit too far in that in that direction with uh, with some of their guidelines. So things have have come back around now. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. They yep. Have. Yeah. So we got to watch. Uh, we got to watch the. Um, you know some of some of those uh, those financing rules and mm-hmm. and uh, 
Uh, along with that, there's also a requirement that um, you have some reserves when you buy an investment property. Reserves? What's yeah, that? Money left over. We want to see six mortgage payments worth of savings left over after closing so that as a okay. lender, we're not completely cleaning you out. And that's that's a higher requirement than owner-occupied, right? Because some it of those is. are only three months. Some are zero uh, for owner-occupied. Oh, wow. They've gone down that yeah, far? Yeah, that's again? right. That's right. Okay. But for an investment property, we got to have six mortgage payments worth of savings. Now, that okay. could be in cash accounts, you know, bank checking savings, or mm-hmm. it could be in retirement accounts, 401k plans or IRAs or okay. SEPs or KEOs or things like that. Oh, well, that's good to know. Yeah. So um, when we come back, uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about investment property and some of the things to know, some things to, that are super important. Send so us your questions. Send us your questions uh, at Team Reba here on Business Radio 1300 KKOL. Stay tuned. If you'd like to call into the show, now's your chance. It's 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. All right. I'm Reba Haas. And I'm Eric Osnes. And you're back with Open House with Team Reba. And before we get started in this segment, I want to make sure that the number for us is out there, 866-712-1300. And bring your questions, whether it's about investment property, investment financing, purchasing, or it could even go back to any of our past shows. If you've been listening to us over the last couple of months that we've been on the air, Feel free to bring up any topics related to mortgage or real estate. Uh, but, of course, every week we want, we want to have topics that are timely and interesting, we believe, and are informative and educational. That's right. This is a, a live call-in show, so this is not a, you know, pre-taped or anything like that. So no. call us up. We're sitting here. We're here, phones are, we're here phones eyeballing are, each other going, man, I'm right. tired of talking to you. How about somebody call in, will That's ya? right. They're, they're right. They're right here. They're right here. I talk to you all the time. We do not want to be talking about uh, things that are so boring that you're going to just drive right off the road. Oh, yeah, good Lord. Good no. heavens, there's enough of that going on out there. So, no, 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 no. Yep, no. Yep, Stay yep. awake. Stay awake. Stay alert. <laughs> Pick up the phone. Call us, 866-712-1300. Well, and even if you don't get a chance to talk to us today on the radio, mm-hmm. we do have Twitter handle, at Team Reba. We have our Facebook page, Team Reba of Remax Metro Realty. Uh, info at Team Reba is another way to reach out to us. That's right. Or Eric at ericismybanker.com. Yeah, so we can always answer and field questions off air, but we always love it on air. That's right. And we do. We get some good questions that some people are just not uh, comfortable talking on the radio. So Yeah, uh, we have know, had so some folks we get folks the emails and things like that. That's fantastic. Thanks for that. Keep it coming. And, and we always re- always respond, always reply back. Yeah, we're actually, we were just talking during the break about some of the great new uh, speakers we're going to be having come mm-hmm. on for us to interview over the next several weeks. So we've had uh, folks from Puget Sound Energy mm-hmm. would like to come on and talk about Energizee's side. I've got some folks that are doing some cool new renovations with golf courses out in Carnation. And there's all kinds of cool stuff yep. happening. And I also... The Renton School District, I've got the DECA program and the robotics program. Right, yes. Also interested in coming on. Really so, looking forward to having that group come in. Yeah, and, they're going to be a lot of fun. Talk about some of that. They've got some cool things uh, going on down Well, there. I can't wait to connect them. I actually saw in 425 Business Magazine, that's a local mm-hmm. uh, 
trade rag or whatever you want to call it, business magazine, uh, there was a really cool article. I'm still getting through the whole thing, but um, a company that brings gaming and robotics together. And I'm really, they're looking for mentorship uh, oh, at the robotics program in Renton. I'm hoping to maybe bring some folks together on that and give those kids some really neat real world experience with those folks. Super fun to volunteer for programs like that. Yeah. And it's always great working with, yeah. working with the kids. Yeah. I, well, my, my, uh, work at the Renton Chamber, I'm on the board of directors there. And so I get access to all this really cool, fun information sometimes. And it sure. is, it is fun to be a connector and bring folks together like that. So, uh, okay. All right. So we were talking about investment property and some of the rules and regulations around that. And I know there are quite a few lending rules. Oh, sure. Lots in of rules. World, right. Yep. That's so, right. That's um, right. Yeah. The- why don't you lay it on us? What kind of, what kind of rules besides <laughs> what the reserves are, things like that, you know, ownership. Sure. There's a few there's a specifics. form of ownership. Yes. Um, a lot of investors, if, if you're, if you, you might take a seminar or, or start to learn some things, mm-hmm. uh, you'll have real estate attorneys or, or some give you advice that you should really purchase the property in an LLC, set up mm-hmm. uh, some type of a corporation to give you some protection, you know, should there be a, a claim or something against you, you've got, you've got that corporate, corporate veil of protection. Uh, the problem comes in with financing. Right. Because on financing, uh, the, the title to the property cannot be vested in an LLC if you're purchasing a one to four unit property mm-hmm. and you're trying to get standard type of financing, 30 year fixed rate loans, things like that, Fannie, Freddie type loans. And why is that? Because we can't foreclose as easily if we had to. That's honestly the the bottom line reason right. for it. So there there's some some options and things that that um, that you can do to give yourself still some protection, uh, but the title would still have to be vested in your names as as individuals. So for instance, on on my own um, rental properties, I have an LLC, uh, but the, the properties are are you know in my name individually, uh, but the LLC leases to the tenant. And, and, and the LLC subleases from me, or I guess I, I lease the LLC, LLC leases to the tenant. So the tenant interaction is with the LLC, giving me some degree of protection. You know, it's not perfect, uh, but it's a way that I can have standard financing on my properties, but still have some of the protection afforded by an LLC. Because I know a lot of folks who purchase the property and then just put it in the LLC mm-hmm. and just hoping that their lender doesn't find out that happened. Yeah, you really shouldn't base financial transactions on hope. <laughs> That's probably not the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because here's the problem. Uh, if you take out a prop a loan, uh, mm-hmm. and titles in your name as an individual, and then you later quit claim it, Q-U-I-T, mm-hmm. quit claim it into an LLC, uh, that could technically violate the terms and conditions of your mortgage. Yeah, it could trigger, what a is that? A due on sale clause. There you go. And where you're going to find that is going to be paragraph 17 or 18 on your deed of trust. And it will tell you that if all or part of the of the ownership in that property is transferred without the lender's permission, the lender can require payment in full. If they do that, they'll give you 30 days to pay that loan off. Have you ever seen them do that? Yes, but it's been a while. And to be mm-hmm. perfectly honest, it's not something that I track all that closely. But right. I can tell you that, um, you know, it is something that's that's definitely looked at. Okay. And, uh, and so so you got to be careful. Now, you could request permission. You know, if you go to the lender, say, I'd like to make this change, you know, and, and you, you ask for permission and they grant you permission, well, then you're totally fine with it. You know, of course, once you ask for permission, cat's pretty much out of the bag. Exactly. You know, at that point. Exactly. So So you'd have to be prepared for that. 
Yeah, because I know if you're dealing with, you know, concerns of liability and risk and, and all of that, I know it's it's not just always about the financing and the purchasing and the title. You know, no. the investments, you know, you're always about if you're dealing with risk assessment, insurance coverage, umbrella insurance, you know, all these other things are meant to kind of be your first line of defense on That's right. certain things. And the LLC, depending on even where you set that up. That's right. And and how it's set up, how it's structured, what state it's, it's set mm-hmm. up in. Uh, you mentioned insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, if you switch things to an LLC, is your home still insurable that way? Right. Uh, you know, there's all these questions that come up that really require uh, careful, careful analysis. Um, with that said, it is super important to protect yourself because let's face it, there are people out there, you invest in real estate, there's a tenant or someone who... who transits the property, um, looking for a way to separate you from your money. And, uh, well, and there's always that kind of a misperception. A lot of tenants just assume if you can afford to buy an investment property, Oh, absolutely. That you must have deep pockets. And frankly, the majority of, of rental real estate ownership that's out there, these aren't multimillionaires. These are your average person just you know, they're they're trying to to set aside a nest egg. It's mm-hmm. a, I look at a, a rental property as a four hundred one k account. You know, I really do. It's it's mm-hmm. a retirement uh, account. It's a way to, you know, build some you know build some equity and um, passive income. Passive income, all that. Although all that, all that you and I have both learned that owning <laughs> rental property is not, not always so passive. quite that way. No, definitely, definitely. <laughs> There's not. a lot of less than passive stuff that that's, goes on. That's right. There's sometimes some passive aggressive stuff. Yeah, well, that you know. Kind of take the bad with the good, but you know you can. Yeah. I suppose you can kind of adjust your level of involvement and in all of that. So, uh, but but yeah, abs- absolutely. So so you know so the title vesting can be super super important and and just something to definitely research when you're looking at purchasing. Uh, one of the things too from the financing end is lenders have a limit on the number of finance properties that you can have if mm-hmm. you want to take out a standard conventional type type loan. The the limit is ten. So, so if you own, um, and, and it's 10 one to four unit properties. So if I own uh, a, a duplex, a triplex, a single family home, and my principal residence, mm-hmm. I have mortgages on, on those, that would be considered for finance properties, not by units, by the actual you know, property. So you can have up to 10. And uh, if you get above 10, then your, your financing options become more limited. You'd be limited to a portfolio-type loan. There's still loans out there. Right. Describe um, what portfolio means. Portfolio means that this is a loan that... It's not like a bunch of pictures, like, ooh, look at my Right. Portfolio. No, no. Usually not quite that way. It means yeah. that the, the bank that gives you the money for that loan cannot sell that loan on the secondary market. They can't sell it to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. They have to hold it in their portfolio, which means you will typically pay a higher interest rate. You know, for that type of a type of a loan program, it's all about risk and yield. There you go. That's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, so ten is the is the magic limit. Ironically, though, so you're uh, saying that's not units because wasn't no, wasn't it at one units. point when lending got really really tight, didn't they go down mm. to units? Uh, some lenders might have. Most of oh, the, okay. the Fannie Freddie didn't. So, okay. so for instance, a fourplex mm-hmm. where you have four units, that would be yeah. considered one property. Okay. A, a triplex would be considered one property. Right. Okay. Because uh, like, I remember like when that. I was looking, I have a duplex and a fourplex. Yeah. You had and, two, and then you had two financed properties. Basically. Right. And then I had my own home, of course. Yep. And so That's it was three. like, okay, well, how are they counting those as terms yeah. of units? Because I remember a conversation several years ago where I thought I had heard them 
yeah, trap it down yeah. to the unit number. Um, but maybe it was state to state because those properties I have are out of state. Could be. Could be. Um, yeah, the, the Fannie Freddie rules are pretty much national. So you won't see much difference on, on or any difference on those. Um, you know, so there there's uh, but so 10 is the magic. Number. Ironically, if the subject property is owner occupied, if we're just looking mm-hmm. at financing your principal residence, we have no limit on the number of finance properties. So you could own 20 rentals with mortgages on it. If we're working on your principal residence, we don't care. But right. if, if we're working on if the subject property is a second home or an investment property, then 10 is, is the limit. Okay. Yep. So I know it's kind of obscure obscure rules are out there. So uh, yeah, we mentioned the rates are going to be a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, a lot of the times you'll try and negotiate to buy a buy a home and have the seller pay some of your closing costs. That's perfectly fine with investment property, but they're they're limited. Less to, likely to happen though. Less likely. Honestly. Yeah, I suppose two um, percent of the sale price is the most that a seller can pay towards your closing costs if the property is non-owner occupied, if it's an investment property. And um, so so slightly more restrictive rules on that. And the other part of that, your down payment if you're buying an investment property cannot be gifted to you, which is different if you're purchasing an owner-occupied home. Mm-hmm. All of the down payment could be a gift from a relative. Okay, well, that actually makes sense because there's a lot of folks investing here right now with money coming from out side resources basically right Getting coming from started. out of country that's absolutely right and but i think a lot of those folks are just paying cash outright we see uh well we, i don't see it unfortunately but yeah no. a lot of that's happening out yeah. there so yeah. yeah no doubt no doubt about it so so can't use a gift if it's an investment property of course it's owner occupied no problem no mm-hmm. problem at all with that any anymore so okay yeah so those are the the probably the main ones and um and you know so a little slightly higher rate higher down payment little uh, little more restrictive qualifying guidelines definitely worth the trouble though when we come back more on investment property here on business radio 1300 kkol open house has open phone lines give us a call at 866-712-1300 Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Welcome back to Open House with Team Reba. I'm Eric Osnes. I'm Reba Hass. And we're talking about investment property. This is a live call-in show, so if you have a burning question for one of us, give us a call at 866-712-1300 or tweet us at, at Team Reba. Sorry. You're laughing at I'm, me again. I'm chuckling because I'm like, ooh, burning question. You know, they might have a salve for that. If it's, <laughs> if it's burning, you might need a cream. <laughs> Sorry, it, it could it could be so if if uh, if there's one of those real estate or mortgage questions that are chafing you the wrong way, <laughs> give us a call at eight six six seven one two thirteen hundred. How's that? We'll lubricate the answer for That's you. That's right. That's right. We'll get that. We'll get that. Uh, put that rash away. So even fabricate the answer. That's okay, right. that's just all I gotta say about that's that. That's right. Uh, David <laughs> Summers, our esteemed producer, is just like, rolling stop, his stop eyes already. at us. Please, stop. please, no please. more, no more. That's right. <laughs> so Reba, back to investment yes. property. <laughs> yes. How do I find a good one? What's what do you do? Oh, just drive around. Yeah. They're everywhere. Just look for the sign. No. Yeah. Oh, gosh. well, you know, I got to say, it's it's a it's a completely different marketplace, at least on what are still considered the residential kind of multifamily units. Yeah, you know, we have people who are buying a lot of the single families right now. Yeah. Um, 
And I don't see as much demand for the two to four unit uh, properties, but I will say um, there's a lot of folks looking for places that have ADUs. Okay, accessory dwelling unit. Yes, thank you for giving that. There I you thought go. you were going to ask me what that meant, but oh, you okay. go right ahead, Mister Know It All. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and what's funny? So we want to make sure that people understand what that acronym is all about because we're not allowed in fair housing to say mother-in-law apartments anymore. Right. It's not really cool to say MIL, although we still have people screwing up all the time and doing it anyway. Plus, there's also a ton of new people in the industry and they don't know the difference. Sure. However, if you are looking at listings online and you see the term ADU, accessory dwelling unit, um, it means basically the same thing. It's another Mm -hmm. unit attached typically, although there Mm -hmm. are some parts of Seattle where detached dwellings can be allowed yeah absolutely um and that's that was a kind of a a test project they did several years ago starting in the southeast part of the city um but adus exist all over and i will say i would say there's probably more adus today than there was 10 years ago partly because of uh that correction we had in the market because a lot of folks were trying to find a supplemental income uh, to manage their mortgage and um, overall personal costs. That's right. And there's also a bit of social engineering going into Mm -hmm. that as there's a push to increase density. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and and we also have a lot of folks that are moving into this area with multi-generational housing needs Mm -hmm. that need more of that. And when you also look at the folks who want to age in place, we have a, a huge aging population. Right. And I like, I have a client right now who really wants to buy one of their neighbor's properties because their house does not, um, it's not suited to have an ADU as part of it. Mm-hmm. And so they actually want to buy an adjacent property to build sure. something or to renovate so that they can have a caregiver later down the line. Absolutely. Um, so they're really, really planning way in advance. And I, I, I applaud them for their forward thinking. Um, but you know, there's a lot of folks that these are our needs. And so it's not always that they're doing it for investment purposes, no. but you can get the benefit. Maybe you're not yet at that place and you can get the cost offset, you know, that mortgage That's um, right. from someone else being there. And there's also a lot of folks that um, condensed households together uh, mm-hmm. when we had the market correction. And um, people are living that way a, a lot more. Nowadays. Yeah, it's it's becoming more and more popular, and and a lot of um, neighborhoods in Seattle too, where you've got an alleyway, mm-hmm. you know, behind the home, you know, there's a, there's a real push to to build detached uh, ADUs along the alley side. You know, you got a yeah, garage all that and density. ADU. Yeah, I just showed a house yeah. on Sunday in West Seattle where the house in front is currently for sale, but you can tell that they they sold off the backyard because there's two townhomes. Oh, sure, off there the back go. alleyway, mm-hmm. yeah. and there's a lot of zoning. Like Georgetown has a ton of that going on right, right now. Right, um, so. West Seattle, Georgia. I mean, there's tons of different market areas that have those kinds of things going on. But um, for finding these kinds of properties, sometimes you have to read between the lines on the listing to know if that's maybe even an option for you. Because uh, typically in our local MLS, um, you're not going to usually find two to four units in the Commercial Broker Association website. Because there's two different segments of real estate agents here in town that I think many people don't even realize. So like I'm one of the oddballs you know, odd ducks, as you can imagine, uh, where I have membership both in SEBA, Commercial Brokers Association, as well as the Northwest Multiple Listing Service. Got it. So you don't frequently find two to four unit buildings in SEBA. You find the five plus, which are considered commercial Apartment properties. buildings, right. Right. 
and those two to four units are frequently in the MLS, but you also have a lot of agents who don't really know how to sell those properties. Right. Um, you could have a property with an ADU, and if that new agent doesn't realize that that could also be listed as a duplex, mm-hmm. you might, might be, be looking in the out. wrong place. Yeah, right. you might be looking in the wrong section if all you're doing is having someone look through multifamily for you. Sure, sure, right? makes sense. So there's there's different uh, strategies. I know that we always work with investors or someone who needs that type of housing option. So yeah, they're, they're setting up in the multifamily or what we also do, even if you're not looking for the term ADU, Another option is to look for a listing that has two kitchens. Oh, good way to good way to make that search. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah, sure. yeah. We can actually do it a different way because not everyone will. Lots of properties with uh, uh, the basement's been converted into an apartment, mm-hmm. and that would be considered an ADU. Yeah, in some and so cases. that's that's the question for you though, because during the break we were discussing if an ADU is legal or not, or if it was permitted. Right. And how does that affect the financing sure. of that purchase? It, it really can affect the financing. And basically if, uh, you know, if it, for, for, to be a legal ADU, a conforming mm-hmm. ADU, you would have to have gone through a, an approval process by the, you know, your local municipality. So if you haven't done that, it may be a situation where if we uh, complete an appraisal on that property, the appraiser may say, well, this is uh, an, a non-conforming, ADU. Uh, in that case, uh, we would not be able to count any income, you know, for that ADU. Typically, we're seeing those uh, like you just mentioned. It's a home with two kitchens, that mm-hmm. sort of a thing. But it's got one um, electric meter. You know, mm-hmm. the utilities aren't split out. You mm-hmm. know, so it's really s- sort of a single family home with with an ability, you know, for someone to to live in the basement. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, those are reserved for family members, things like that. So that case, we probably could not count the income, you know, from it. But if it's legally uh, conforming ADU, then absolutely we can count the mm-hmm. income, and it could even be converted to uh, be considered a duplex, where you've got two meters, two addresses, you know, unit A, unit B, that sort of a thing, where you've you've gone to the trouble to actually separate out the, the you know, split out the properties, and it could be one upstairs, one downstairs, mm-hmm. one on the left, one on the right. I see a lot of yeah. people doing that with split levels. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know, absolutely. Awful lot of that going on right now. Older homes around here, it's usually the basement. Right. Right. Exactly. But there's also several of them. You can find an yeah. address. Uh, there was a client we closed earlier this year that uh, their address before was, you know, hashtag upper. That's right. That's <laughs> or right. number upper. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I'm working with someone right now that lives in Georgetown, and I just put in an offer for that. Well, it's one that we're working on together. Right. And their address is? Number upper. That's, that's <laughs> unit, unit upper. That's right. I, I was actually, uh, I, yeah, uh, well, you and I, we teach uh, continuing mm-hmm. education. We teach uh, first-time buyer classes in West mm-hmm. Seattle. And uh, the West Seattle blog had a, uh, in a um, uh, class uh, being held last week. I didn't make it to it, but there's a local builder in West Seattle that, that is specializing on building accessory dwelling units, you know, in the back of properties. And uh, I jumped on their website. Really cool looking stuff. I mean, Ooh, really neat, neat looking me. houses. Yeah, we'll have to put that up. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we we post a bunch of stuff on uh, the teamreba.com yeah. slash blog Absolutely. after our show. So yeah. we'll definitely uh, so post some of those resources. One of, one of my one of my favorite uh, you know sites, you know, West Seattle blog is uh, you know awesome source for information, especially if you're if you're living in that area. So, so. I I do want to mention too, though uh, we talked about you know risk and yield and other uh, things about protecting mm-hmm. your investments too. Uh, if you do have a property that has an ADU 
or even more than just a single ADU. Because sometimes I'm, I remember when I was still renting way back in the day, I lived in a place. I thought that they had set it up as a duplex. There was actually a third unit I didn't even know about sure, at one point. Sure. Uh, I found out the hard way they had not permitted this because I came home from work one day to find our stove missing. Oh, no. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah trying to they, pass someone, appraisal. Yeah. A neighbor had turned. <laughs> well, no. A, a neighbor had turned in the landlord. Oh, for they got having red tagged. Uh, yeah, because the zoning did not allow for multifamily. Right. So these are things that, you know, if you're going to do something like that with a property, just be aware your neighbor may not like the extra parking that starts you know, being taken up in the neighborhood. They could turn you in for yes. it. Uh, the other part is title could have an issue. Uh, for things like that as well, especially if it's an unpermitted. Insurance can have an issue. Insurance, especially if um, I had uh, someone asking me about a non-conforming use one time with a building that had three units in it. It was down in Ballard. And the concern was it was an older building, had some wiring issues. And it was like, if that thing burns down, yes, you can probably not rebuild it as a triplex. That's a problem. And that's something that lenders look at and the appraiser will look at that. Could we replace... You know mm-hmm. the the structure if it were destroyed, and yeah, because that property was selling for above typical market because of the fact it was being sold as an investment property, and it was like if you had to rebuild that as a single unit, yeah. would it be the same? And would it be worth the same amount? Exactly. Right. So there's a lot of different um, kind of nuances. So a lot of people just kind of make this like they go. You mentioned at the beginning of this. Oh, hey, look, I went to this free class right. that's going to teach me how to be a millionaire in real estate. And you know how I roll my eyes every time I oh, hear about stuff like that. I just absolutely. absolutely roll my eyes. And it's not because there's not opportunity. It's just that there's a lot of people making more money on the idea of opportunity. That's right. That's right. Than yeah. it is about the reality of of owning property. Yeah, a lot so, of times, those ones that say that you can you can make all this fortune using other people's money doesn't always quite work out that yeah, way. Yeah, especially if the investment is about flipping. But you did <laughs> you did ask about how can people uh, find properties? Um, you know, usually it's great working with an agent because they have access. If they work with someone like me who's got both SEBA and access in the MLS, then you can hit as much as possible. There are other sites that I know people use all the time, but they don't have necessarily all accurate information on them. Uh, Real estate brokerage sites, not just a site that's about real estate, but real estate brokerage sites do have to have accurate information. We're required by law to have accurate information and our associations harp on us and beat on us about being accurate with our details so if you're trying to get something you know reach out to people that are professionally within that field makes makes perfect sense so Mm -hmm. and 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 um we've got one more segment coming up i think we're going to get into a few more details i do want to talk at least about things like cap rates and gross rent multipliers and how to evaluate sure whether one's a good investment stay tuned math coming up yeah got a question call it in 866-712-1300. Now, back to Open House with Team Reba. Hello, I am Reba Hass. And I'm Eric Osnes. And we are back with Open House with Team Reba. So we've been talking about real estate investment uh, properties, multifamily properties specifically, because there's all kinds of different investments you can get into in real estate. But particularly, we're talking about kind of the two to four unit 
type properties. But um, we've talked a little bit about the financing part of it. How can you look for them? Uh, but once you find a property, once you find that property, how do you know is it going to be a realistic purchase for you, right? And is it going to get you cash flow? Is it going to give you some kind of return, right? Because when people look at That's stocks, right. they're evaluating what's you know what's the risk on this? What kind of yield is it getting? How much am I paying for this? Does it pay dividends? Is you know is it a growth? You know is it um, you know there, we just saw people coming in. Sorry, I got distracted. But you know you're looking at is it a long term range type product or is it for a short term gain? Absolutely. You know, what are you doing? And you have right? to do the same thing for real estate. And, Absolutely. And and you want to make sure that uh, you're you're paying a, a price for the home that's appropriate that will give you a rate of return that's going to make it sustainable in the long run. Right. So there's a few different definitions and terms that we use for determining that. You know, probably the most popular one is the cap rate or capitalization mm-hmm. rate. People throw that around a lot. Yeah. And, and not everybody knows exactly what it means. Uh, right. But basically, the cap rate is your annual net operating income divided by the sale price of the home. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're really trying to decide what what's my net income, what's this property going to be delivering to me, you know, every year divided by what I'm paying for it. And as you know, the higher the cap rate, the the, the greater the invest, you know, the, the better the deal right. you're so getting. So an example of math on that is let's say you're getting twenty four thousand a year on a property and it's selling for three hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And that comes to point oh eight, which turns 8%. into eight percent. Mm-hmm. Right. Eight percent is actually a pretty good yield. Mm-hmm. on a property. Most of the cap rates going on in this area, because of where our price points are at, uh, we're mostly seeing around five. Right. They, they've, they're, they're down as, as home prices go up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the cap rates tend to come down. And, and part of that is because we're in a, a pretty strong real estate market, especially in the, in mm-hmm. the, in the Northwest Puget Sound area, yeah. that uh, homes uh, are appealing to a owner-occupied buyer as well as to a non-owner-occupied mm-hmm. buyer. The owner-occupied buyer, you know, they don't care about cap rate. You know, right. They're, yeah. they're just going to... Because they're going to live in they're it. They're going to live in it. So they're just mostly worried about, matter. does the payment work for my income? Can I afford to live here? Yeah, exactly. exactly. And if I'm going to get a little bit of rent off it, sweet bonus, mm-hmm. you know, then that's good. So the investor, though, on the other side, has to make sure that this is an appropriate investment. Let's say I've got $100,000 to put somewhere. I'm going to invest it. Mm-hmm. I can put it in the market. I can put it into real estate. Mm-hmm. You know, where am I going to get the best rate of return on that money? Right. And, and that's where the, the higher the cap rate, you know, the, the better you go. Uh, the one mistake that I see happen all the time when I'm looking at real estate listings, you probably see it more mm-hmm. than I do, is how that, cap rate is, yeah, how that cap rate is calculated. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was waiting for pro forma pro to come up. I hate yeah. looking at that. Meaning um, what, I they guessed. Would, what they would <laughs> like the rent to be for this property, not what the rent actually is. Right. Because if you're calculating the net income for a property, you know, what are you basing it on? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to base it on what you could get for rent when you're buying a home. You're going to base it on what you are receiving for rent. And, uh, and oftentimes we'll see uh, cap rates that look really, really good. Then you start digging in a little bit deeper. And it's not so good. And you realize those, those cap rates are filled with, you know, you know, rainbows and unicorns and <laughs> unicorns things like that so <laughs> yeah. so it doesn't doesn't always quite quite work well that yeah. way so. i always i i like to take a look at the combination of you know what is the cap rate expected on the property what, what you know what kind of cash flow am i going to make but then i do you know i mentioned earlier that 
if someone's only basing things on appreciation, I tend to like, oh, come on, seriously, like, don't do mm-hmm. that. Don't do that only, please. Like, have it be a combination of what am I making annually plus what is the potential That's of that. Because right. when you do all of your um, internal rate of return analysis mm-hmm. on these types of things, you are taking all of that into account. And you're also looking at yes. what it does to your tax position. Absolutely. So, you know, I'm not an accountant. I don't play one on TV. But when we work with a a client and we have their CPA involved and we have their attorney and their insurance people and we're looking at all the factors, you know, we do take everything into account and say, well, what is that internal rate of return? And we have software we use. Star Analyzer is my favorite. And uh, you can actually get a modified internal rate of return. So an, an internal rate of return is really taking a cap rate deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're taking our net operating income, but then we're factoring in uh, our mortgage payments. We're factoring in taxes. Mm-hmm. We're factoring in you know appreciation, appreciation over time, rates, potentially things growth like that. On yep. rents, yeah. that's right. To 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 kind of drill that down, mm-hmm. and your internal- but you have to have a really long term view when you do mm-hmm. that. You absolutely do, and and all of this is is you know can can, can fluctuate, of course, uh, you know fairly significantly. But it's a good it's a good formula. It's a good thing to, to dig in deeper. We've got lots of tools available too that you can you can um, you know tweet us at, at Reba. Or, or you can email me, eric at ericasmybanker.com. I have a great form that we use. It's actually a Fannie Mae form called an operating income statement. And that's a, uh, one of the, the things I really like about that form is it also adds in uh, what's called a replacement reserve schedule where you can go in and look at, at, uh, look at the whole property. How old's the roof? You know, how many years are left mm, in yeah. life in it? What would it take to replace that roof? So how much should I budget each year so right. that when that roof fails, I've got money set aside mm-hmm. to to replace it? But you go through the roof, the appliances, the carpet, mm-hmm. paint, anything that's going to be a, a, a um, an upcoming maintenance uh, item. Uh, yeah. It's really good to to kind of figure out what sort of budget should I set up for those items so that when they need to be replaced, I've got the money set aside to do so. Well, you know, another company that does a really great job of analyzing the local market for these kinds of things is Dupree and Scott. Mm-hmm. D-U-P-R-E plus sign, plus sign Scott. Scott. Dupree and Scott has some really wonderful reports that they go out and they analyze the marketplace locally and they look at what are the rents doing and they do it based on, um, they've expanded even their, their uh, research to get into some of the smaller multifamily and even single family, but they mostly look at some of the large complexes around, but they, they look at unit costs, they look at unit rents, they also look at what the per door, they like to say the per door maintenance cost tends to be really useful information very useful and they are much more conservative i mean a lot of folks when i'm talking to them about these ideas of what they want to do they're not thinking about those maintenance costs right and they you know in their wonderful positive minded selves think oh maybe a thousand bucks or whatever and honestly it's it's significantly more than that typically. it can really add up and i guess the question is do you want an investment or do you want a hobby if you want a hobby mm-hmm. no problem you know yeah. or if you're handy doing some of that work yourself that's yeah. that's that's something different that's yeah, uh, yeah like me and my husband uh, we're perfect for that kind of thing yeah, yeah, but yeah. not everybody is i've talked people out of this type of investment oh, purchasing I, before i get christmas cards from home depot i got you beat on that <laughs> oh i know i know yeah. you do <laughs> Oh, hi, Eric. You know, what are you fixing today? You know, yeah. so no, it's uh, that just. Uh, well, they, yeah, so. they don't do that with me because it's my husband who goes to the store. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I think James is the one they greet. That's but, right. Uh, That's right. <laughs> yeah. I am going to make sure that on the teamreba.com slash blog, we will post some of these links to yes. things such as Star Analyzer for the software they have available, Dupree and Scott to some of their reports. Definitely. Um, we did from the last week's show add in the Rental, Rental Housing, Housing Association, Association of Puget R-H-A. Sound. Yes, rha-wa.org, if my no. serves me right. No, no. I got oh that my wrong? gosh, you need to stop I'm doing it. rha-ps.com. They can't okay. be a .org because they actually lobby oh, they, on behalf of landlords at the state level. Okay, rha-ps.com. Yeah, wonderful organization, has screening services available, has documents available for leasing and all kinds of things, wonderful, and classes which I think are enormously important for anyone at any phase of ownership of rental property too. That's right. So they right. don't get themselves in trouble. And uh, in an upcoming show, we'll we'll bring an attorney on here too, so yeah. we can kind of talk through some of these issues. Oh, we should try and reach Chris Bennis. Detail. He's yeah, one of the Chris best landlord attorneys in town. Absolutely, he's a friend of mine. Bring him in. Uh, we need to be talking about ten. Chris, if you're out there, I'm coming for you. Yeah, there you go, Chris. <laughs> Better guard yourself. We were talking about all kinds of no, things. No, he's great. He works with RHA quite a bit. Right. He's a great guy. Yep, yep, yep. Excellent. And um, Gosh, now I feel like a name dropper. I just did my first big name drop. <laughs> well, he's a guest on the show, and he doesn't even know it yet. I know, so but he's going to be. I'll good. tell you that right now. Okay, well, so next week we'll get to the topic you wanted to talk about this week. Love letters. Yeah. Do they really work when you're trying to buy a home? Join us next week. We're here every Tuesday at 3 o'clock on Open House at Team Reba. Thank you for listening to Open House with Team Reba. To contact us, visit Team Reba at re slash Max Metro Eastside on Facebook or email info at teamreba.com. Join us again next Tuesday at 3 for more Open House with Team Reba here on Business Radio 1300 KKOL. Program sponsored by Team Reba of Remax Metro East Side and Eric Osnes of Home Street Bank Home Mortgage.